It's good to see all of you. I can't believe we're in our third week of the semester already. It's amazing uh, just what God's been doing already this semester. We've seen students come to faith in Jesus for the first time at all of our campuses. We've seen students uh, find community. And then last week, as Chloe was talking about, we launched our small groups. And I heard great reports of what God did. I wanted to come, but they said I couldn't. I'm too old now, but I heard that the small groups are great. So if you've been here these first few weeks, I just want to say that I'm glad that you're a part of the community now and that you're back. That means a lot to me, and I hope you know that we never take it for granted when you come. Like, we pray that you guys would come, that you would put the homework aside for a little bit and come and be a part of what God's doing, because we believe that these gatherings actually change our lives. We believe that. We believe that God meets with us. So every time you decide to come, that's an answered prayer. It's sure helping me have faith to see that my prayers can be answered. So thank you for coming back. If you're new, we're pumped you're here. Uh, we've been praying for you every single week. Just like we pray for returners to come back, we pray for new people to come and to find family in Chi Alpha, to feel loved, to feel cherished and welcomed and valued. And then also, not just that, we don't just want community, but also we want you to encounter God and encounter his love. So we're excited you're here. If I haven't met you yet, please grab me after service. I'd love to meet you. All right, so how many of you have experienced something that, change the way that you see the world, okay? Before experiencing it, you didn't understand all the buzz around this particular thing. But then once you experienced it for yourself, it just did something to you. It made you see things differently. It could be trying a new food or meeting a new person or traveling to a new city or falling in love. These don't have to be experiences that change you in one earth-shattering moment, but might be something that happens over a period of time. The point is, every once in a while, we have experiences that change our perspectives. Okay, so for me, uh, before I drank coffee, I did not get why people liked it or why people were so avid about it. It made people's breath smell bad, with, or which if you talked to me before service, my breath probably smelled bad because of coffee, but I chewed some gum, so we're good now. But, I mean, people thought coffee was so important. They still do that. They put it on their Instagram bios, like, hey, I'm a girl, I'm a coffee drinker, and I go to UNI. It's like, okay, I saw this stuff. I saw people in their houses would put these signs up that say, but coffee first, or things like that. You know, Hobby Lobby, I like to go there, as you know, and, uh, and all these signs about coffee. But I finally started to, or to drink coffee a couple years ago. Um, I started with the white chocolate mochas from Starbucks, which those things give me a gut bomb now. But back then, I was like, this is amazing. But then... I said, okay, this is too expensive, and I decided to try black coffee, all right, and black coffee, I tell you, it's cheap, and it gets you jacked up, so I love black coffee now, it's absolutely changed my life, I go there way too much, every barista at Starbucks knows me and knows Derek, and they think we're twins, because we come in like every single day, it's bad, okay, I'm not encouraging you to do that, that's not... Now, that's not good stewardship of your money, okay? But I'm just saying, I drank black coffee, and it just changed my life. Now, I get up in the morning, I drink that coffee, I'm ready for the day. Before, it took me to like 10.30 in the morning to get ready for the day. But now, I'm pumped by 6 o'clock. All right, and then in the afternoons, after I eat lunch, I kind of fall into uh, some weird things, okay? I get really tired, or I get really, really goofy. It gets crazy in the office. You don't want to be there in the afternoon. It's wild and crazy. But now, I drink that coffee, it kind of brings me back down to earth. It gives me that boost uh, for the afternoon, and it gets me through, all right? I've even thought about putting it on my Instagram bio now. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. I don't think I've been on my Instagram for a few years, but I'm thinking about putting coffee drinker on there now because it's absolutely changed my life. 
There are certain things that you can't quite understand until you experience them. But then once you experience them, it changes things. Maybe it takes a bit to change you. Like for me, it's not like I loved black coffee the first time I drank it. It took some time. It's an acquired taste. But then sometimes uh, there'll be these experiences that change you in a moment. I've never seen it, but I can imagine seeing the Eiffel Tower would probably do something to you the first time you see it. It's probably in a moment, all of a sudden you see things a little bit differently. This, or the thing you've seen on TV, now you've seen it for your own eyes, right? The point I'm making is sometimes there's certain things that happen in our lives that just completely change us. And it applies to our spiritual lives as well. If you've never met Jesus Christ, then Christians can seem kind of strange. All right? Let's just say it. They're weird. And we're weird if you're a Christian. You know, maybe you had a friend who wasn't a Christian and then they became a Christian. You're like, I don't know what's up with this person. They started acting differently. Or maybe you've experienced that yourself. You weren't a Christian, then you became a Christian, you started following Jesus, and then uh, something just changed inside of you. I've had multiple uh, spiritual experiences like this that have just kind of changed me. So two, or two weeks ago, I shared about how I came to faith in Christ, and that one obviously changed me. It rocked my life. But then about two months after that, I had another experience that just completely transformed me, and that experience happened at Fall Retreat. Okay, so you can tell we're kind of getting ready to go with this. We talked about it twice in one night. But our campus pastor wrote me in to come in. He paid for me to go. Actually, no, he didn't pay for me to go. He called my mom and said, hey, will you pay for your boy to go? And she's like, of course I will. And then I got stuck going to fall retreat. But then on Friday night, the preacher uh, talked about getting serious with God. Like not putting your, uh, or not putting uh, the responsibility for your faith on a preacher or a pastor, but taking responsibility for it yourself. And that message just absolutely wrecked me. Okay, so I gave up an addiction that night. I talked a couple weeks ago about, about how I was addicted to pornography. Okay, I know it's awkward, but I'm just going to say it because I want to be real with you guys. And that night, I gave that up, and Jesus broke some chains off my life. I said, I want to get serious. I'm no longer going to mess around with this stuff, and I gave it up that night. And then the second night, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this incredible experience that I had never heard of where Jesus kind of empties you of yourself and then fills you with his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God, right? So if the Holy Spirit fills you, like God himself fills you, that should change you, right? And that's what happened to me on Saturday night. I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, and something supernatural changed in me. It just opened my eyes. And the next night, I went to a concert. It was a secular concert at a bar. And I was just so full of the Holy Spirit that I was, like, praising Jesus all throughout the concert. People got their alcohol. They're going after it. I'm just like, yes, Jesus, thank you. Because I was so changed. I was just so in love with Jesus. He had such... Or it is such a move in my heart that I was just different after that. I believe that God wants to do these or take us through these kind of experiences. I believe that God loves to encounter us in such a way where he reveals himself to us in a greater way and changes our perspective. God wants to open our eyes and show us that there's this new or this brand new way of living. He wants to show us that he has more for us. And sometimes he likes to do this through these experiences. So tonight... Uh, some of us have come in here, and if we're very honest with ourselves, we haven't surrendered our lives to Jesus, and we haven't made him the Lord of our lives. For that to happen, like for you to even pray and say, all right, Jesus, I'm trusting you, God has to do something inside of you. He has to, like, change your heart. We'll talk about this time. But he has to, like, do something supernatural. It's not just a decision you make. It's something that God does inside of your heart that compels you to make that decision. And there's others here tonight who you know Jesus already. You've already experienced that transformation of heart. But you're struggling right now to see some things clearly, spiritually speaking. So maybe you came in tonight 
and you're feeling confused, you're feeling off balance spiritually, just something doesn't feel right inside. And I believe that, that Jesus might want to do something in your heart tonight. And maybe you came in, you're struggling with addiction, or you're struggling with a spiritual apathy, like you just don't really care about the things of God. Or you're struggling with laziness, or you're struggling to love God with your whole heart. There are certain things we can do like, to help position ourselves in a place where we can receive from God and have one of these encounters with him, like you know, Bible reading, coming here tonight, small groups, all these different things. But sometimes for us to get out of these things, we need God to just do something inside of us. We need a move of God. We need a touch of heaven. We need a supernatural work that can't be mustered up on our own. So with all this in mind tonight, we're going to continue our revival series. And to be honest with you, this sermon tonight is a sermon that sparked this whole series. This is what the whole series is about. It's tonight's message. And revival is a word that describes when people are awakened or, or they're reawakened to the love of God and they become more committed to him. So synonyms for revival could be renewal or awakening or transformation. It's just this idea that God comes in and does something in our hearts. And, and revival happens when you first come to faith in Christ, but it also happens uh, throughout your spiritual life. Just God will come in and breathe something new inside of you. He sparks something in you and he changes you. So revival can be salvation. Revival can be you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit like I experienced. It can be a number of different things. So tonight, whether you came in here as a Christian or you're not a Christian, I believe that God has something for all of us and that revival can happen in all of our hearts. I don't care if you're the, uh, the most spiritual, super Christian in the world. I believe tonight that God wants to do something inside of your heart. I believe God is not done with you. You may think I've achieved everything. I've climbed the mountain of spiritual success. God wants to bring you to your knees tonight and do something new. I believe God loves to do a new thing in our hearts. He wants to encounter us, speak to us. He does not want us to follow a lifeless religion, but he wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to encounter him each and every single day. I'm believing that's going to happen tonight. Are you ready? I'm believing that Jesus is here already. And he's about to do something inside of us, including me, because I'm feeling jacked up. I think he's doing something inside of me right now. I'm just saying. All right. So two weeks ago, we started this series by talking about how we come into relationship with God. And we talked about how, how God loves us. He never gives up on us. And how he's like a good father who welcomes us into his family. We talked about the, uh, the first week. That's how revival starts is when we come into relationship with God. But then last week, we talked about community and how if we're going to continually walk in this revival, then we need community. We need people to speak truth to us. I need people to tell me the truth about myself once in a while if I'm going to stay serious about Jesus, right? Because I'm going to fall off uh, the path, so to speak. So I need community, and all of us need community. But now tonight, we're going to talk about how we can't force revival on our own. God has to come in. True revival life originates with God, and it must be breathed out by him. So tonight, the sermon is titled, Life from God. This life comes from God. It doesn't come from us, okay? He is the author of revival life. He's the author of our salvation. So tonight we'll look at that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible after service, get one. They're for free, okay? So get a Bible after service. But so John 3, the gospel of John is one of four gospels in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these are all biographies of Jesus' life, okay? So biographies are they're called gospels, and just before where we pick it up tonight in John chapter 3, Jesus had begun his ministry, and he was doing amazing things. He turned water into wine. Some of you are like, hallelujah. 
I'm playing with you. It's a joke, all right? You can laugh. He was doing incredible things, and people are starting, to, are starting to notice them. In our story, this religious leader named Nicodemus uh, secretly comes to Jesus in the night because he wants to learn more about him. He's like, hey, Jesus, what's up with you, man? You're doing some crazy things. What's going on? Okay, so he comes, and he asks him this, and then Jesus reveals some very important truths about how we can follow him and about how we can be revived throughout our journey in our faith. So let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, Tonight, I pray that you would speak. God, I pray that each and every person in this room would know that they are cherished and that they are loved by you. God, I pray against uh, the lies of the enemy who would say that we're not loved and that you're not good or you're not real. But God, I pray tonight that you would speak to us, God, and that supernatural works would happen in each of our hearts, including mine. God, just uh, knock me over during the sermon. Speak to me. Encounter me tonight, too, God. Uh, tonight, we want to experience you because we believe you're a God who's alive and who works today. So, God, we ask you right now to speak through the sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I feel like I already preached the whole sermon, so we'll see how this goes. All right, verse 1, here we go. He says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, hey, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And then Jesus answered him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. All right, so Nicodemus is a religious leader who had studied the scriptures or the Old Testament for him, okay, so the Old Testament is what he studied. He studied these his entire life, and he notices Jesus' ministry, and he becomes interested in what's going on. So I think many of us are like Nicodemus tonight, okay? We've seen God doing some stuff around us. Maybe we've studied the scriptures, and we're curious about Jesus. We maybe haven't accepted him completely into our hearts yet or called him Lord, but we're very curious, and that's why we're here. We're checking him out a little bit. So maybe you can relate with this tonight, okay? So, uh so Nicodemus approaches Jesus, uh, which could be because he doesn't want any, or doesn't want anyone to know uh, that he's talking to Jesus. But it can also be a symbol of the spiritual or spiritual darkness that he's walking in. So the writer of this gospel, the apostle John, is making the point that at this point in, in his journey, he couldn't see things uh, clearly. I have this picture of him feeling around in the dark, just trying to grasp for truth. Like, what's going on with this Jesus? Like, he can't really see yet. Okay, so Nicodemus is convinced that Jesus is no ordinary teacher, but he isn't ready to say that Jesus is Lord yet. He recognizes that God is with him, that something's happening, and he wants Jesus to explain what's going on. So then Jesus, being who he is, which uh, sometimes he's kind of of a trickster and doesn't really answer the question. Um, so rather than explain who he is to Nicodemus, he says, hey, man, uh, you're not going to be able to see any of this or see the kingdom that I'm bringing unless something happens in your heart. Unless God does something inside of you, it doesn't matter what I say, you won't understand these truths that I'm proclaiming. Okay, so Nicodemus, as a Jewish teacher, understood that by seeing the kingdom of God, Jesus was talking about eternal life. Okay, we talk about eternal life in America and how if we put our faith in Jesus, we can have eternal life. So Nicodemus understood this, this idea that, after you die, you would be with God. 
But the kingdom of God is also here now, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're living in it. So Jesus isn't just talking about something that's out there. He's talking about something that happens here and now when he talks about the kingdom of God. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we begin to live in this kingdom. But for us to step into the kingdom of God, we need God to do something. And Nicodemus does not understand. He thought that all Jews who tried to obey God would be admitted to this kingdom. But Jesus says you need something more. He says, rule following and religious lip service is not enough. He says, you need to be born again or born from above is another way you could translate that Greek word. If someone wants to be part of Jesus' kingdom, God has to do something in their heart. So Nicodemus is confused. He asks, how can I be born a second time? And Jesus says, you must be born of water and spirit. And if you're like me, I have no idea what that means. All right. And you probably don't know either. Unless you're a Bible scholar, Regan Jonk might know, but nobody else knows. All right, so Jesus was pointing back to the Old Testament, uh, which, uh, which Nicodemus knew very well as a teacher. And in the Old Testament, water and spirit symbolizes, uh, or, or symbolizes cleansing and, and transformation. So it's most clear in Ezekiel chapter 36. Okay, it says this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, from all your idols i will cleanse you and i will give you a new heart and a new spirit i'll put within you i'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh i will put my spirit inside of you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules so do you notice something here um ezekiel is not saying obey my rules and my statutes and then i'll put my spirit in you he says, I'll put my spirit in you, and then you'll be able to obey. Some of us came in here tonight thinking, if I do a few religious things, then God will love me. No, God wants to do something inside of you first, and then out of that, you do religious things, right? You follow him, you read the scripture, you uh, try to be good, all those things. But it has to come out of a new heart being inside of you, okay? So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, there's nothing you can do to enter this kingdom on your own. You need God to do something. And then just a chapter later, in chapter 37, God takes Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. Okay, that was in the last song. We didn't plan that. Okay, so you might be wondering, what does dry bones mean? God takes Ezekiel to this valley. And you got to think about this. This is like Simba and Nala with the hyenas chasing them. This is like dry bones, right? A bunch of bones. Okay, I know you love that movie. It's okay to smile. I love that movie. All right. This is what it's like. But then Ezekiel prophesies over these bones and they come to life. Okay, so what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom is like this. It's like you're dead and then you come to life. And there's a brand new person that comes out. That's what happens when we become followers of Jesus, when we truly become that. But I think we've been sold a lie in our country that if we do a few things, go to church and be better than our friends, then we're a Christian. But Jesus says, uh-uh. He says, for you to see the kingdom, you need to be born again. Something new needs to be birthed outside of you or birthed inside of you. Okay, so all that to say, revival comes from God. Revival comes from God. If we want to come to faith in Christ or we want to be reignited in our faith, we need God to do something. Jerry Packer says this. He says, revival is God touching minds and hearts in an arresting, devastating, exalting way to draw them to himself, to working from the inside out rather than from the outside in. The point that Jesus is making tonight is his kingdom is not a natural kingdom. 
It cannot be attained by natural means. We can't work hard enough or be good enough. We can't go to enough church services, do enough good things, or pray the right prayers. We can't make ourselves come to life. We can't make our hearts soft. God has to do it. God has to work in our hearts. We are desperately in need of a touch of God. We need God to kind of like put his finger in our heart and boom, bring it to life. We need that. We are desperately relying upon him. And if we came in here tonight thinking we can do it on our own, God wants to humble us tonight. I believe that because God has to do a work. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm fired up. Okay, verse 7 and 8. We're going to keep rolling here. Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. So the second thing tonight is this. is Revival makes a noise. Revival makes a noise. Okay, so Jesus says that us being born again or, or God doing a work in our heart is like the wind. It's not something you can control. It's not something we can predict, but it makes a noise. He says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. Okay, so remember the storm last night? I was scared to death. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was like out on my deck pulling the umbrella down like, head inside, we got to run. I was so scared. I'm glad we're safe. But anyways, <laughs> that's what revival is like. It makes a sound. Like I was uh, actually going for a walk uh, when that storm started. And I saw those clouds and I was like, <laughs> right? You know what's happening. You're like, oh, crap, something's coming. That wind starts blowing. That's what revival's like. Revival can be felt. When God moves, you'll know. Just as when God had Ezekiel prophesy over those dry bones and they came to life, when God speaks, when he moves, I believe we can see the power before our eyes. So earlier I shared about my fall retreat experience, and, and that experience did not stay at fall retreat. As I walked out of that retreat center, I walked with greater boldness and confidence in Christ and, and, and reaching out to my friends. And I believe that I've been on a journey ever since then. That sparked something in me, and I haven't stopped because God touched my heart, and it made a noise in my life. I believe God wants to make a noise through your life. God wants to use you. Encounters with God's spirit change us. This Christian life is not just an intellectual one. It's not, I love learning new things, I study this book, but it's not just an intellectual one where you can believe a few things and, and be good. Christianity is not just about believing the right things, it's about being transformed. It not only affects us, but it affects others. As we are changed, as we are captivated by the Holy Spirit of God, it will lead us to impact others' lives for Christ. I believe revival in one heart could lead to the revival of nations as that heart makes a noise. I believe that if a group of students on a secular campus in Iowa get serious about the things of God, it could lead to the salvation of our campus, and not just our campus, but the nations. I believe that. But we need a move of God. We can't just do religious things. We need God to kind of breathe on our community and in our own hearts. It starts with each of us in our own hearts. All right, so Nicodemus, who have been taught for years that to enter this kingdom, you must obey rules, did not understand how this concept of being of being uh, born again was possible. How could uh, salvation or spiritual growth be something you can't do on your own? How can it not be something I could work for? Uh, let's see what Jesus says in response to this. He says, or says, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you that we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can, or how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
He says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, which, you know, Jesus is talking about himself there. He talks about himself in the third person sometimes. It's all right. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. All right, so third thing is revival became possible when Jesus died on the cross. Even Nicodemus, a teacher of Israel, even he missed the whole point of the Old Testament. And Jesus is blown away that he didn't understand the principle that is so clear in Ezekiel. To be a part of God's kingdom, God must do something in your heart. You must be changed from the inside out. And Jesus uh, doesn't, even, or doesn't even want to teach him anything else because he can't even understand the most elementary points here. If Nicodemus can't understand how this life starts, how is he going to understand more is what Jesus is saying here. And then in verse 13 through 15, Jesus explains how revival, how eternal life is possible. And that's through being lifted, or through Jesus being lifted up. Okay, so when he talks about being lifted up, okay, listen to this, guys. This is good. Okay, I promise if you, if you stick with me, this part's going to be really good. Okay, so or when he talks about being, or being lifted up, he points to the cross when he'd be lifted up. But he also points to this Old Testament story. It's this obscure story in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a leader named Moses who was leading Israel, and he saved them from a plague of snakes by lifting up a bronze snake on a pole. And whenever the people looked at this pole or looked at this, or looked at this snake, the plague wouldn't hurt them. As long as they were locking eyes with the snake then it, or the pole, then the snakes wouldn't hurt them. By looking to God's means of salvation, which was the snake on a pole, they could be saved. So it says this in Numbers 21. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who's bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses, or so Moses uh, he made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Okay, so Jesus is saying that just as they were saved by looking at the pole, each of us became, or can be saved by looking at Jesus on a tree. And looking at or by looking at Jesus on the cross. Our hearts are not transformed through anything we do, but through what Jesus did. The cross is what transforms us. The cross is what made forgiveness and life with God available. By looking at that cross, that old rugged cross, if you've probably heard in church, if you've been in church at all, and putting our faith in the man who gave his life on it, God can bring our dead hearts to life, forgive us of our sins, and completely wreck us and transform us for his kingdom. But it's only by looking at the cross, not by doing anything. All of us have tried to find eternal life and satisfaction through things other than Jesus, whether that be success, popularity, academic achievement, sports, money, you know, sports, some of you guys this weekend, football, you watch way too much, let's just be honest. And girls, too, you watch way too much. The Cowboys stink, and that's just how it is, okay? Just deal with it. All right. And not just sports, a bunch of things. Tonight, Jesus is saying to us, if we want to experience revival from God, if we want to live the life that God calls us to live, and experience the joy and satisfaction that he calls us into, we got to look to Jesus hanging on a tree. That's what we got to look at tonight. Jesus Christ giving his life for us. That's what transforms us. The radical love of God that will come out of heaven and say, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. If that hasn't changed you, I pray tonight that that would change you. That that would do something deep down inside of you. That God sent his own son to give his life for yours and mine. I pray that that would change us tonight. And also, let's not uh, fail to mention the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. All right, that should do something to us, right? That Jesus was dead and then he was alive. That doesn't happen in normal life, right? Like you don't see that happening at funerals, right? No, Jesus was dead, and then he came back to life. 
If you put your faith in this Jesus, it should change you. It should cause your heart to go from being dead to alive. All right. John 3, 16 through 21. We're almost done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Here we read the most popular verse in the Bible. For God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will be saved and have eternal life. This is the gospel. When we say gospel at Tyalpha, that's what I'm talking about. Like Jesus giving his life for us. That's the gospel. This is the good news. That's what gospel means. This is the good news. John continues by saying that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. Okay, Jesus did not come and die for you to condemn you. He came to save you. And John says that you're already condemned before you know Jesus, right, because of our sin. But Jesus came to save you. He didn't come to judge you or condemn you. He came to save you. He's for you. I love when we sing that song. And I was about to start shouting in the back, like, when it's talking about God being good and not failing. Because some of us have a warped view of God. We don't understand that he's good and that he wants to save us. Declare that over your life, that God is good, that he's for you, that he loves you. He has a plan for your life. All right, so verse 19, though, is, is the important part for our discussion. It says this, and this is the judgment, that, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness. And people love the darkness rather than the light, because the works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the, or come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. John is saying that we are dispositioned to, or to love the darkness. Like we're born that way. We're born to love the darkness, to walk in spiritual darkness, and to hate the light. We don't want our wickedness to be exposed. If we want to be born again, if we want to experience revival from God, we have to come to the light. There's a humbling that has to happen where we say, okay, I'm done trying to figure this out on my own. I'm coming to the light tonight. I'm coming to Jesus because I believe that he's for me and that he has my best interest in mind. And if I give my life to him, I believe my life is going to be much better and I'm going to live the life that God's called me to live. It takes a humbling, though, to get to that point because we're pretty prideful, including myself. All right, I'm just going to confess right now. All right, it takes this humbling to come to the light. So last point tonight is this. Revival will only come when we humble ourselves and seek God with everything we have. If we want revival in our hearts, and our communities, we must experience a radical humbling as a whole community, and not just as individuals. As, as a whole community, we have to be humbled and begin to seek God with everything we have. We can't come half-heartedly like Nicodemus, but instead we must come with desperation, saying, Jesus, do something in my heart. Instead of coming to Jesus, or coming to Jesus in the night like, it, or like Nicodemus did, and still trying to live in our old ways, we have to come to Jesus in the light. And let him have his way in our hearts. God is not withholding transformation from any one of us. He's not withholding his love from you. He's proven that he's willing to go to extreme expense to save you, even going all the way to the cross. He sent Jesus so that the penalty for our sins could be paid and so we could live life with him. He desperately wants to change us. He wants to save us. He wants to spark our hearts, so to speak, and bring them to life. But for that to happen, we have to to humble ourselves. We have to admit that we need him and ask him to do a work. In summary, we have to surrender tonight. 
stop trying to do things on our own. Every time I've had a breakthrough with God, whether that be when I came to faith or I was filled with the Holy Spirit or whatever, every time it starts with being humble. It starts with God humbling. It's not like I was humble all the time. It starts with God humbling, and then he moves through that every single time. So tonight I believe that God wants to humble us a little bit and for us to seek him with everything we got so that we can leave the dark and come to the light, so God can put his spirit in us, and so our hearts can be transformed. So tonight, if you're not walking with Jesus, I just want to implore with you, because I love you, please, tonight, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, change my heart. That's all you got to do. There's no religious, there's no ritual that you have to do. You don't have to pray a certain prayer. Just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you. I encourage you to do that tonight. If you are walking with Jesus, but you need uh, God to do something in your heart, I pray that you would humble yourself tonight. I pray that you would be humbled by the cross of Christ. It wouldn't just be something you wear on your neck or something you've heard about or something. Yeah, I believe in that. But I pray that that cross would humble you tonight. And you'd say, God, I need you. I need you to do a new thing. I need you to move. Christians, let me say to you tonight, don't settle for yesterday's victories. Don't settle for yesterday's experiences with God. I believe God wants to do something right here, right now. I believe that. I believe God wants to speak to you while you're or, uh, or speak to you in your classroom, speak to you in your dorm, speak to you in the shower, speak to you wherever, uh, speak to you when it's downpouring and you're running across campus trying to get to your next class. God wants to speak to you. I pray that you would not just say, I've experienced everything I've ever, I pray that you wouldn't say that I've experienced everything I've needed to experience, but instead you would humble yourself and come to Jesus tonight. All right, the main idea is this. Revival happens when God breathes new life into our hearts. That's when it happens, when God speaks when God moves when God does something new inside of us Christianity is an inside out religion it's not an outside in it's an inside out God does something inside of us and then it changes us it changes the people around us if you're not walking with Jesus I just talked to you I'm gonna talk to you again I just want to say this to you tonight from experience I can say confidently that there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you. I can say it confidently. I've tried a lot of things. I can confidently say it's not going to satisfy you. At least it didn't satisfy me. All I can do is share my experience. There's no amount of fame or success or, or, or fortune or pleasure or, or nothing that's going to satisfy you. I, t- I pray that tonight that, that you'd be moved by Jesus pray that you would see Jesus on the cross where he gave his life for you, and I pray that you'd be moved by it. You know, Romans 5, 8 says that, that God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I pray that you let that verse uh, come into your heart tonight and change you. He loves you so much, even when you don't deserve it, and he wants a relationship with you. All you got to do is turn and look to Jesus. If you came in here tonight and you are following Jesus, I'm going to speak to you again too. From experience, I can confidently say that every single Christian, including me, every time in our journey we get to a place where we're feeling kind of cold in our faith, kind of dormant, kind of struggling, I just want to say tonight that that when that happens, the temptation can be just to power through or or to just, you know, go through the motions, but I pray that you'd humble yourself and you say, God, I'm just feeling, feeling dormant tonight. I need you to move in my heart. Like sometimes we're rushing from class to class and then doing all these things and being so busy that we don't ever stop and say, God, I want to meet with you right now. 
And I'm not just talking about doing your Bible reading every day. That's, not, that's important. I'm not just talking about checking off a list and saying, okay, I did that today. I went to Chi Alpha. I'm talking about getting humble before Jesus and saying, God, I need you to breathe on me. I need you to do something inside me. And sometimes we have to contend for that. We have to wait a little bit. It doesn't always happen in a second. But I promise if you wait on God, he will do something. It happens every time. I'll be praying. I'm like, I'm not feeling it. And as I keep praying, if I keep praying, sometimes I give up. But if I keep praying, all of a sudden I sense like a warmth of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you can know it's God because he's warm. He starts to kind of give you a hug. He's, he starts to speak to you. And Christians, if you could do this every day, I'm just saying this campus would be changed. You would be changed. But you got to humble yourself. You got to stop for a minute and say, Jesus, I need you. Here I am. I need you. Do something in my heart. I just want to have a group of students who love Jesus and encounter him every single day. That's what I want the most out of you. I want you to experience life with God, have everything he's ever wanted for you, and, and experience that relationship. Because I know when that happens, all the other stuff takes care of itself, because revival makes a noise, right? If Jesus is reviving your heart every single day, it's going to make a noise. It's going to reach this campus. I believe that. All right, so if you would stand with me tonight, you can bow your heads and close your eyes. So I'm going to just pray here for a second because I want to ask God to do it. Because this isn't something I can do on my own, right? I can't, I can't change your heart. So I want to ask God to do something in your heart. And then I'm going to ask you a couple questions, okay? So first I'm going to pray, Jesus, I pray right now that you would speak to hearts all across this room, God. No matter what people came in with tonight, I don't care if they were sinning right before they came. I don't care what they came in with tonight. But God, I pray that right here, right now, that you reveal yourself. God, I pray that they would see you for who you are, that they would see your ferocious love that just never gives up on them. God, I pray that you would just reveal yourself to us tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe on our hearts. God, I pray that you would do something new in this community. God, I pray for something supernatural to happen tonight. All right, Jesus, we thank you for that. So I want to give you two ways to respond. So keep your eyes closed. And the first way to respond tonight is this. I want to give you an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. So I talked a lot about being born again tonight. If you want to be born again, if you want to be saved, if you want to put your faith in Jesus or recommit yourself to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And, and when I do, you're going to have to do something that humbles yourself. Okay, You're going to have to raise your hand to heaven and, and just say, God, I'm here. I want to be saved. That's how we do here at Coppola. We just raise our hands, one hand to heaven. And you say, hey, Jesus, I want to be saved. Because I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want to see all the hands going up in this room that God is speaking to and saying, hey, I want to save you. Okay, so one, two, three. Put up your hands all across this room. I see a hand, I see a hand, I see it. There's tons of hands going up tonight. I believe that God is going to do something supernatural in your heart right here, right now. Jesus, tonight we pray that you would just come into our hearts and change them. God, we pray that Ezekiel chapter 36 would happen tonight, that, that you would take our old hearts of, of stone and, and give us hearts of flesh. So Jesus, right now we confess that you are Lord. And we believe that God raised you from the dead. And we put all of our chips in the basket of trusting you. We trust you tonight, Jesus, in your name. All right, second way to respond is this tonight. You can put your hands down if you had them up. If you're a follower of Jesus tonight, but you just need a breath of heaven, so to speak, you just need the Holy Spirit to do something new, I'm giving you an opportunity to ask him to do it. So I want you to put up both hands right now. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song with everything we got and say, Holy Spirit, come. Okay, so Holy Spirit, right now, we ask you to move in this place. 
God, we don't want to manufacture anything on our own strength. We want an authentic move of God. Tonight, we ask you to sweep across this community and change us, God. I pray that you would light our hearts on fire with your love and your power tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.